All right, day 116. Uh, welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily uh, you know, look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're in Job chapter 17, and basically my man Job is still in the middle of one of his speeches, and he starts out like this in chapter 17. He says, yo, my spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. A graveyard awaits me. Surely mockers surround me and my eyes must gaze at their rebellion. As we pick back up in the middle of Job's response to one of his friends, the words you just heard are that of hopelessness. All right hopelessness. That is primarily what chapter 17 is about. And part of the reason, I want y'all to hear this, like part of the reason Job doesn't feel hopeful is because his friends aren't helpful, right? Like they continue to accuse and rebuke and reprimand, right? Like all of these things in the midst of intense suffering. And Job goes so far as to say, he says, yo, my spirit is broken. Right? The very inner life, my soul feels broken. You skip down a few verses to to chat uh to uh verse seven, and you know what else is messed up? He says this. He says, My eyes have grown dim from grief, and my whole body has become but a shadow. So, in other words, he says, Yo, I don't just feel this inwardly. I feel it outwardly as well, right? In his eyes and in his physical body, hopelessness is hiding out and it is hurting. This goes to show that the literal loss of hope can have psychological effects, but also physiological effects, right? It can literally camp out in our physical body, right? And there's been a ton of research, right, uh, recently that confirms this point remarkably, Um, We are bodies and souls. And so hopelessness is something that indeed destroys the whole person. And we've been building up up until this point and we know everything that has happened to Job and we know that everything yeah, his friends have said again has not been helpful. Now Job doesn't feel hopeful, right? And we know that hope is just such a big thing in the Bible and it's such a big thing uh, you know, for us in our lives. And everybody, everybody has some type of hope, right? Um, it's been said that if you uh, don't wake up with some type of hope, there's going to be a point when you don't wake up, right? Like that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. And then even further, you know, hope, hopelessness doesn't just do something to Job psychologically and physiologically, but spiritually. Like, look what he says in verse six. He says, he has made me, he has made me an object of scorn to the people. I have become a man people spit at. Notice who he made the subject of that sentence. God, right? The he here, he's talking about God. And even some translations, uh, 17.6, they'll put, you know, God has made an object, right? Just to, to underscore the point. Um, more than anything else, like he doesn't just see God as someone who's gone, but someone who's guilty, right? Like he makes him the problem. And when suffering, man, is thick and it's suffocating and it's sweltering, we blame things 
on God. And so at the end, towards the end, he'll say, man, where then is my hope? Verse 15, who can see any hope for me? And Job has just reached this breaking point, man. And, you know, um, for me, Job, yeah, is a better man than me because I would have been here a long time ago. Uh, But we just see, man, that, yeah, life can be so, have such sharp edges to the point where we don't want to deal with life, yeah, at all. And so in verse, uh, in chapter 18, you know, we see Bildad come back along and, you know, yeah, Job is frustrated with God and his friends, ironically, are frustrated with him, right? And Bildad comes and he's like, bro, basically, why are you acting like, you know, you ain't got no sense? Matter of fact, when you start talking like you got some sense, then we can talk, <laughs> right? And so, but one of the things that, you know, you know about the wisdom literature in the Bible is that over and over, it contrasts the wise and the foolish, right? Like you're going to see that all throughout Proverbs. You'll see it even in, um, you know, uh, the Psalms. Uh, the fool says in his heart, right? There's no God, or Psalm says. And so you'll see this contrast. And here we see Bildad is showing you <laughs> and his friends are showing you like in a sense. And in, in, at, at times you have to be careful what fools would say to someone who is suffering. Bildad is one who insults his friend, right? Instead, when he should be consoling him. And that's just a tip for us. Like when as we deal and walk with people in suffering, we want to console people and not insult People, we want to affirm and reassure more than anything else. And one of the things, yeah, Bildad is saying, just like everybody else, you know, um, is this idea of uh, they have this idea of retributive theology, right? And basically, it is defined as this idea that the righteous will prosper and the wicked will suffer. We've talked a little bit about that. But the corollary being that if someone suffers, they are wicked. And if someone prospers, they are righteous, right? However, as we've said before, like God is more complex. He's more nuanced. He's not this mechanical. He is relational, right? Um, And what's amazing is that when you look back at the history here, in some senses, because this is such a common thought um, in the ancient Near East, the the uh, cultural background of the Old Testament, we realize that Job's friends and also Job in some cases, right, are men of their time. Meaning that, in other words, in 21st century language, they imbibe things that were more cultural than they were biblical, right? And this is why we do the podcast. This is why we're so big on your view of God, right? Because we can tell people um, incomplete things, right? Or unnuanced things about God. And that can prove to provide more discomfort than it does comfort. Again, yes, God does punish the wicked. Yes, God does reward the righteous, right? But maybe not immediately, right? Maybe not in the way we we tend to think about ultimately, right? At the end of time, absolutely, right? But we have to be nuanced. We have to be more thorough in how we talk about God. And so in 19, Job is like, yo, man, I'm getting beat up with words here, dog. Like I'm literally getting beat up. And he's like, yo, even if I did sin, right, this is not the way you would treat a person who sins. And we know if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, 
it's so good because the Bible, yeah, again, the wisdom literature can be looked at from a ton and a plethora of different angles. And if you know, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that you're not just going to have to walk with people through suffering. You're going to have to walk with people through sin, right? Their own sin. And so um, we know this would happen. And again, even here, right? If Even if even Job did sin, like this is not the way you come at a man who's sin. We want to provide pillows and not arrows, right? Like we want to be comforters, not uh, cause the bleeding to fester even more. And so, um, and so Job comes through and he's like, man, he continues to express himself as feeling as if God is apathetic, if, as if he's being ignored. Um, and then he goes into something very interesting. He starts to talk about, you know, not even as is God like seemed to abandon me, but like my family, my friends, my servants, right? All have seemed to leave me alone. And he speaks of a type of social isolation here. And we know uh, uh, firsthand that, you know, in this yeah pandemic that we're in, um, social isolation can be a, um, you know, a cause of depression, right? Like many people have been depressed because just because of the isolation in this time in 2020 that we're living in. And so this adds, this is fueled to the, the affliction fire, if you will, that Job feels, right? Because again, we're made for fellowship. We're made for community. And so this is even a type of death in many ways, right? And I'm sure that, yeah, many of us, again, have felt what Job has felt, right? Um, and so his affliction has ruptured his human relationships. Friends have stopped coming by. Family doesn't reach out like they used to. People maybe have started to lose respect or admiration or fondness, right, of Job, right? And this and this stuff, if you've experienced any, this is painful, right? And Job experienced this millennia, right, thousands of years before you and I. But what I love is verse 25 of this chapter, man, Job says something remarkable. And it's crazy how, how maybe fast the narrative shifts. You know, Job says this in 1925. He says, but I know that my Redeemer lives, right? And at the end, he will stand on the dust. Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him and not as a stranger. My heart longs within me. This is remarkable that Job would say something like this. And yeah, everybody like, you know, um, when you do any kind of like background reading on this, like people realize that Job, in a sense, spoke more than he knew. Right. The concept of a redeemer is the same word used in the Old Testament for a kinsman redeemer. We see it in uh, the book of Ruth. Right. And later or even before that, uh, Yahweh is called Israel's redeemer. And like, yeah, just all these places later on in the Old Testament. And ultimately, obviously, we know in the New Testament, Jesus is our ultimate kinsman redeemer. Right. All of that. But for Job, though, what really captivated me was that seeing God would be enough, right? Like seeing God, knowing that God is his redeemer and that one day he would see him, right? That, that left a flicker of faith, right? Underneath all the doubt, underneath all of the heartache, underneath all of the soul ache, there's this flicker of faith, a small light, a small wick. In a dark and cloudy night of life that Job has. 
And it just, yeah, sheds light. Other places in the scripture will talk about how God won't break a bruised reed and he won't put out a smoldering wick. Even right now, man, or even in the future, if you feel hopeless, if you could just have a flicker of faith, God will honor it. God won't blow it out, right? Just a flicker, just a small wick. And Job has that here because he knows who God is, and one day that he will see him. And so and after that, yeah, chapter 20, we have Zophar coming out. And my man is just preaching to the choir, my G. Like he's just, he's chatting, right? So he basically comes hard at Job with speaking of the fate of the wicked. So he'll say stuff like, don't you know that ever since antiquity, uh, from the time a human was placed on earth, the joy of the wicked has been brief and the happiness of the godless has lasted only a moment, Right? Um, basically, yo, their happiness is short-lived. He's talking about the wicked, and it's like, why would you, again, why would you say this to a man who's in intense suffering? Anyway, basically, their happiness is short-lived, and they are living with a short hourglass until the destruction, right, in the grand scheme of things. Then he'll come and say, yo, though evil tastes sweet in his mouth, and he conceals it under his tongue, talking about the wicked, though he cherishes it and will not let it go, but keeps it in his mouth, yet the food in his stomach turns into cobras, venom inside him. In other words, he says, yo, wrongdoing feels good to those who are wicked. Why is he still talking about the wicked? Oh, my gosh. Sin tastes sweet, right? This is his whole point. Like, sin tastes good. Uh, it, is, it is like eating, as my man uh, St. Augustine would say, you know, uh, sin is basically, uh, you know, poison that is sweet to the taste, right? He expresses, um, you know, uh, Zophar expresses this type of sophisticated ignorance, I like to call it, because the problem is he is chatting. We're sharp. We know. Like, Job already knows these things. Once again, these are all true statements. The problem is this. Zophar is shooting a loaded gun at the wrong target, right? If Job's faith depended on his friends, he'd be through. He'd be done. He would not be Hopeful because his friends aren't helpful. But thank God that a little flicker of faith, the little flicker of faith that he expressed was in his Redeemer, Yahweh, the God of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we pray that even if life comes and smothers us with affliction, that we would have just a flicker of faith, Lord, that we will see you, our Redeemer, and that you are the true and living God. So regardless of what people say, even if it's not helpful, I pray that we will remain hopeful in you. Yahweh, our Redeemer.